How's everything? How are you doing? I love your hat. It's giving me happy vibes. I'm here for it. Good, good. I'm doing well. How's everything with you and MPUB? Everything is good. I'm like coming off of being sick for like 10 days. So you know when you get sick and then you're like, I just want to live and then you finally feel better and then you're like, I just want to do everything. That's how we're feeling today. So you're like, I'm now I'm ready for all the things. I'm ready for all the things. So Okay, so much to get into. I'm so excited for this. Before we jump in, I would love for my audience to just get to know you a little bit. So tell us who you are, what you do, your social security number, you know, just the basics. (laughs) Absolutely. So I am a serial entrepreneur. I've had a marketing agency for the last six years. I have launched my own CPG brand called Get Super. It's a hemp-infused instant coffee as well as a signature instant coffee. And then I'm also an investor. So I work directly with brands and invest in brands, both as an angel investor, but also for sweat equity. So I advise on the marketing front and basically help them to build out things in exchange for equity for said brands. Yeah, that's just a little bit about me. I just love marketing and I love people and I love building and creating. And so that's kind of how I've spent the last decade of just building up, you know, kind of my own internal portfolio. So let me take it back for a second. Were you always drawn to entrepreneurship or do you feel like it's something that was it ingrained in you or did you find yourself being called to that as you got older? Um, yeah. So I come from an entrepreneurial family. We have a really old family business, um, in the automotive industry. I think it was always kind of, I was always around it. I was always aware of it. Um, I had a great like role model of being that my dad was just, you know, He had created a really beautiful life for me and him, but I don't think I was ever like really truly called to it. I started Ekis Marketing after having a hospitality job and I really just wanted to work on sexy brands. And the only, the best way for me to do that was just to go after them myself or myself and like do social media, do influencer, do events for them. And so I actually, the name Ekis Marketing came from me invoicing these different clients because it was the easiest way for them to remember who it was. So I like never really even came up with my own name for the agency. It was just kind of like the easiest, best way was my last name. Um, And then from there, I actually fell in love with it. And it was a really interesting journey. I think it personally developed me in so many ways. It's something that I'm like so grateful for, but it was never like, I graduated college and I'm like, let's do this. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. It was like, no, I was actually told by my dad, like, go out and get a real job and like have security and like sit back and let someone else like take care of it for you. So no. <laughs> I ask because I feel like there are some people, especially now where entrepreneurship is just, I guess, the name of the game. Everybody wants to work for themselves, which I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there are these people that, you know, I had conversations with in high school and we were all figuring out what we wanted to do, which is ridiculous that we have to do that at 17. Um, Mm -hmm. But I would have these conversations with some people and they were like, I'm going to, you know, be the owner of my, I want to be a CEO. I want to run my own business. I want to do this, that, the other. I never had that feeling, but I always knew like when I graduated college, I never was like, I'm going to build an empire. Like I didn't think that way. All I knew was I don't want to be in a cubicle nine to five. Like that sounds miserable to me. And so I, I feel like I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't even know what it meant. I didn't even know the concept. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know that that was actually what I would end up doing. So 
I'm just always like interested in how people end up where they are, you know? Um, and you yeah. were, you were mentioning your agency. You started that when you were 22, right? Yes, I did. And I, I mean, same thing. I, I mean, my first real, like real actual job in marketing was working with Red Bull and I loved it. So cool. It was, oh my God, it was the greatest. Like if anyone has the opportunity to do an internship or work for that company, go do it because the way they think is just, it just expands your mind. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I started the agency literally at 22 because I was like, I was working in this hospitality group and I was literally sitting at like this community table that had like this like hard back plastic chair. And I remember they were renovating the office and I was managing 15 clients and I was like their workhorse. I was the only female in the organization that was not in accounting. That's how much of like a boys club it was. I just was like, oh my God, like this is so exciting. They're expanding offices. Like maybe I'll get like a cubicle and like maybe I'll get like a real office chair. And I remember asking the, basically my boss and he was like, yeah, so like, we're not really sure. I think like where you're at right now at this like community table, like works great for us. And I was like, you've got to be kidding. I'm bringing in hundreds of thousands of dollars I'm managing 15 clients. I'm doing everything from graphic design, content creation, influencers at that time, which weren't even called influencers. I was doing travel ads, email marketing, everything. And I was like, and you're not even going to give me a real office chair. And so I, at that point, that's when I was like, I can do this and I could do this for myself, for myself. And it was more of that move versus like, I remember the kids that had businesses in college and I was like, that's so awesome. Like, that's really cool. But like, I, it was never like this drawn, I was never drawn to that immediately out of the gate. I don't understand when I hear stories like this where a team or, you know, somebody who is in a position of power is not seeing the value of somebody who's working for them. Like it truly blows my mind. Like I have this conversation with a lot of my friends who work in corporate America and we'll have these, mm -hmm. these discussions where they're, you know, they're not getting the promotion they deserve, or they're not getting the opportunity they deserve. They're not being able to sit at a table that they really fucking deserve to sit at. And in my head, mm -hmm. I'm like, it just blows my mind. Cause I'm like, what is it going to take for somebody to be valued? Like them walking away, them leaving, Honestly, sometimes, yeah. sometimes that's what it is. Usually. Right. But like, I, yeah, I mean, I think there's more and more of those things that happen in corporate America because there's, I mean, there's so many things that we could discuss on this topic. Yeah. This but, could be a whole episode. Yeah. Like, but I, yeah. but I think the other thing too, is like, you know, I also feel like there's so much divine intervention in business and there's like, you know, I understand there's a lot of things wrong with corporate America and we should not, we should not gloss that over in any way. Um, or gloss over that in any way, but more or less, like if it was not for that moment, like I would not be where I'm at as an entrepreneur. And like, I also think too, like there's, there's this amazing girl. I love her so much. Her name's Gabrielle judge. She's, um, anti, anti work girl boss on TikTok, And she talks about this all the time. And I think that one of the biggest things that you can do for yourself is to analyze, am I happy? Am I happy here? And is this where I want to be? Because I also have heard on the opposite end of the spectrum that there have been people that have done the grunt work. They have been there and the company blows up and they are made. And it is like a lifestyle change. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, where do you really want to be? And how do you assess your happiness level? And like also too, like, are you giving yourself like an expiration date of like, okay, I'm going to take this on. 
I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, maybe I have some faith in this company or I have some faith in something bigger that something bigger else is going to happen here, but always set an expiration date for yourself. If it doesn't come by that time, time to bounce. I love those questions. And I feel like everybody can take that from this episode and just like ask themselves that question, no matter what position you're in. And I love that you said the expiration date thing, because maybe the answer to that question for some people in this moment is a no, right? Like if they're like, am I happy right now? Maybe the answer is no. However, I know not everything is so black or white, right? So if the answer is no, is there a potential for that to turn into a maybe or a yes? And if so, like when you just said, give yourself a date because Mm -hmm. I think also that's where people maybe can, I don't want to say the word settle, but we get comfortable, right? We get comfortable Mm -hmm. or we, we we get into autopilot and sometimes it's easier to stay in something that we know rather than go and find something new, which I know is so much easier said than done. I do want to know as you know, with all the experience that you have now, what would you say to somebody who was trying to start a lifestyle brand in 2023, like right now? Um, Okay. It depends. What kind of lifestyle brand are we going after? Is it like direct to consumer? Is it like I'm on TikTok? I'm a creator. Let's do, let's do TikTok. I like that. Let's do that. Okay. So first and foremost, I think right now, the coolest thing about where we're at with social media is that there's so many different opportunities to grow. And I think a couple years ago, it was really just Facebook and Instagram. It felt really, really hard and challenging to feel like you were being seen, let alone to have exponential growth without having to like do like black hack marketing growth tactics or buying bots or things like that. So I feel like right now, the, like the coolest thing that we've seen come from TikTok is just this whole other level of being raw and being real. And I feel like we've seen so many creators come out of the woodwork from TikTok because as a society, we're craving something so different. So the biggest thing here that I would say is if you're wanting to create a lifestyle brand, if you're wanting to be that TikTok creator, lean into what you are about and what your life is about. And I, you know, when I, I, I've been kind of playing with this TikTok thing And I've been trying to post like every day. I've been trying to post three times a day. I've been really trying to be like avid. And there was like a moment that happened. Like, I think it was like last month where I was like, oh, I just feel like, I just feel like what I'm putting out there is like not me. Like, I just feel like I'm putting content out there to put content out there. And Mm -hmm. I also felt like I would look at all these other agency owners and they were all doing the same thing. They were all doing like very, very, very heavy social media education, marketing education, entrepreneur education. And that's also not me as just like a human being. Like I'm very free flowing. I'm very, I love to travel. I love all these different topics. I love to be a part of different conversations. And so I started talking more about like that. And I started sharing more of that. And like these video concepts of like why I choose to invest in my makeup, how I like to have a dirty martini like on a bad day and like talk about my bad day in business. Or like this more relatability where it actually felt like I was a real person moved the needle more than me trying to post, you know, here's, you know, my Amazon cart tips for my office or, you know, what I'm seeing in social media trends. And so it just felt like people were more drawn to like who is actually Whitney versus like what is the actual like motive of why she's on TikTok. And so when I think about lifestyle brands now or when I think about creators I think that there's such a draw of like who you are. Like, for example, I think another great case study is like Meredith, like the makeup, the the makeup TikTok or the, excuse me, the TikTok mm-hmm. that does makeup. She literally yeah. 
it's the only person I've ever seen that puts so much damn foundation all over her face and looks flawless. And like, had she Literally. been like every other makeup TikTok creator, she would not have blown up because she would have been do- doing what everyone else is doing. So it's like, lean into like what makes you who you are. And it's really scary. And it's, you know, there's, there's definitely that feeling of like, putting yourself out there. But there's also this, this other, this other thing that I heard recently, and it was on Tink's podcast, and she called it cringe mountain. She said, there's so much opportunity on the other side of cringe mountain, meaning like put yourself out there, feel cringe, do it anyway, and see what happens. I love that you said it's scary, because I think we don't talk. I mean, I, I think we do talk about a lot about the fear of posting online and putting yourself out online. There's this quote that was circulating TikTok and I don't know exactly who said it. However, I wrote it down because I was like, holy shit, it just like hit home. And she said, I don't know, I don't know exactly what she was speaking about, but people took the quote and just ran with it in other ways. But she said, I'm not afraid to be seen trying. And I was like, oh, oh fuck. Like I love that. it hit me so hard because I feel like I am afraid to be seen trying sometimes, right? Like I'll have days when I'm like, fuck it, let's go. And then I have other moments where I just get so in my head. And I think as a creator, we're, I mean, maybe other people can identify with this, right? But I feel like I'm trying to really lean into not being afraid of, of being seen trying. Because of course, once you, let's say, once you quote unquote make it, which again, I think that's subjective and I don't even know if one day we'll wake up and be like, I made it. I don't know. Because even when you think people yeah. have made it somewhere, they don't even think they've made it somewhere. Anyway. Yeah. But let's say you get notoriety or you get, I don't know, the the income you want or the brand partnership you want, whatever it is, right? I think that once we get to some level of that, then we're not that scared. Sometimes I'm generalizing here. But before then, the building stages, that shit is so hard. Not only because it's hard of the amount of work you have to put in, right? However, it's so hard emotionally and mentally Mm -hmm. because you really are putting yourself out there for people to watch you try to build something new, a business, your own profile, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's intimidating as fuck. And I think, I mean, what, what can we do to combat that, right? Like there's not really a secret. It's just doing it I would say like the more you do it I mean here's the thing yeah being being seen trying feels uncomfortable because we automatically assume that people are not going to like or relate to what we're doing and there was this really cool gosh I've always I forget her name but there was this TikToker that talked about that there's actually a study done of how people think or how we feel that other people view us and how much we feel mm-hmm. that we are likable. And the study actually showed that more people like us more than we think than how we view them thinking about us. So there's this topic of like, is it terrifying? Absolutely. Are we our own worst critic? 1000%. What it comes down to is what do you want? Because there's the other thing too, where it's like, you can, you can stop at any time and you can give in to that fear at any time. And there's nothing wrong with that. But also too, if you want something so badly, you're going to have to move through that fear anyway, and you're going to have to do it anyway. And yeah, it feels awful. But can I just also say the fact that I, I feel, I view failure as not trying. Same. So those people that are sitting there and criticizing you behind the screen or you know, maybe there is some trolls or something that you're dealing with. 
they're not trying. They are failing. And you that are showing up every day, feeling uncomfortable, getting outside of the box, you are already more successful than any of those people. And I think having that mindset shift of like, I am trying, I am learning, but I am also showing up. And any energetic, anything that I put into this energetically is going to come back to me tenfold is more successful than someone trying to beat you down and tear you down or whatever they're trying, you know, whatever your thoughts are toward that situation. If that's not a pep talk, I don't know what is. Um, (laughs) Have you watched Brene Brown's special on vulnerability by any chance? No, but I love her. Okay. I need to send it to you. So she talks about this concept of the arena. And my ther- mm. my therapist first introduced me to this. It's a it's a long ass quote by Theodore Roosevelt. I'm not gonna I'm not I, I don't know it, but the concept of it is basically the person who's in the arena, and the arena is anything that you're doing that might be you know scary, whether it's a workout class or launching a new business or falling in love, whatever the fuck it is, right? The person who's in the arena, if you're not mm-hmm. in the arena with me, you don't get to like talk shit. Mm. Like you don't get to mm-hmm. give me your like unsolicited feedback you don't get to criticize me I mean people will always talk because we like to talk but you're not it's you're not unless you're in there with me it it's irrelevant Mm -hmm. and that's how I try to like think about all these situations Mm -hmm. I also think anxiety and mental health is so real in business and I do want to get into that but right before we do I want to talk really quick about building a team um Mm. I want to know if you felt, if you experienced difficulty, like outsourcing different elements of your businesses, because I feel Mm -hmm. like building a team is something that can be really tricky for entrepreneurs, seeing as we have this, we tend to have this mindset, or I'll speak for myself, I have this mindset of the projects that I'm working on, it's like they're my babies, like they're my newborn children. I don't know if you have any tips for me on maintaining that identity while also allowing the inclusion of other voices and, uh, and other people working with you. Yeah. Um, I could, okay. So I could go into all like the hiring things. And I mean, there's a lot of really practical principles that you could follow. One of the best things that I've ever heard, and I've heard this so consistently is finding someone that you thoroughly enjoy working with that also thoroughly enjoys your business. And the reason why I say that is because there's so, there's going to be so many opportunities where you have someone that absolutely kicks ass that meets every KPI, that financially brings in so much money, but is just a pain to work with and is such toxic energy that literally it drains you. There, I would rather have the person that's growing with me and working with me and thinks that what we're doing together is so awesome versus that other person. And the way that I've built my team, I've made so many mistakes I've bootstrapped the shit out of my team building and building out and scaling the agency. And, you know, like I'm also a human being, but what I look for is I look for people that see the vision and I look for people that want to also be a part of the vision. And if they don't, that's a clear indicator that we're in a misalignment as, as perfect and awesome as they are on paper or what their skill set is or what their experience is. It doesn't match me if they're not a fan of Ekis Marketing, if they don't love Get Super, if they don't really understand my five-year vision for where I'm going in my life and who I want to be a part of it. And I try to always think like, 
I always try to like, you know, I used to get really hung up on, on myself and I used to think like, wow, like what's wrong with me? Like I'd hire these people and they're not a fit and like, they're perfect. They're great. But like, why are they not like meshing with me? And it's just cause it's not an alignment and it's not someone that honestly like is a great fit. And there's so many incredible people out there. And so what you're doing when you go to hire for your business, I feel like you just need to lean into like, who do I want to be spending my days with? Who do I want to be hanging out with? And also who gets it? You know, there's a lot of different industries, but you want someone that's like, for example, like I love when my team brings these ideas to the table. I love when they talk about trends. I love when they talk about things that we've seen on TikTok. I love that when they're thinking ahead and they're actually preparing for something that they know that I'm already going to ask for, like they get me and they know it so well that it's almost like this, it's, we're just, we're just this symbiotic relationship. And so for that, and that's taken me a, such a long time to try to figure out because before I was hiring all the wrong people and then like really blaming myself and really feeling a lot of shame that I was like this awful boss. And it's like, no, it's not that it's that I wasn't attuned enough and I didn't have that experience enough to realize that like, not everyone's going to be this perfect fit. And those that are, you love them and you cherish them and you give them everything you can because they're going to be the ones that make sure that they have your back and your business is running and operating at it, its most successful level. This is such valuable advice. And my last question about this is, did you have to get over, this is something that I struggle with where I'm mm-hmm. such a perfectionist. I'm a Capricorn. I, I'm just the most type A bitch you ever met, okay? And I feel like with team building, something that I'm going to have to get over is... I'm not hiring a mini me. I would love to find a mini me, but I I haven't yet. So I can't expect everything to look exactly the way I want it to look. And also people are teachable, right? But it's like, sometimes I get into mm-hmm. my head where I'm like, well, if I feel like I could do it in a way that I like better, why would I? But then I get back to square one where I'm like, well, I'm drowning. And there's no way that I'm going to scale anything if I'm doing everything by myself. So it's like this battle with myself of kind of letting go a little bit of that control and perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And also putting faith in people that eventually they'll get it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there's there's another saying. There's there's this saying where if someone's if if you're having trouble with an employee, you either hired wrong or you trained wrong. So there's you know there should be some sort of level where you can move through after you have trained them. Now I again. I'm very like, I throw people into something. I see how they operate. I see how they learn. And that's not always the greatest setup for success for training people, but it does show me immediately if they get it or not. So this is something where I kind of test my people in that way. And I, I'm really quickly alerted of like, if it's going to work or it's not. And now I think again, in your case, you're so detail oriented and you are, you're creative and you have a lot of, you have an eye for design and you're taking on these things that really need your tender, loving care. There should also be someone where it's like, Hey, I'm going to train you how to do X, Y, and Z. I want to see that me and you have a meetup and align on this design and we align on what I'm seeing. And also, you know, you bring suggestions to the table or you bring this vision to the table as well. And so I think there's there's an element of training, but then there's also an element of do they get it and do they see your vision and are they willing to get it and are they willing to see your vision? I kind of like that you throw them into something because it really, like you said, makes you see do they get it, number one. But number two, 
it immediately will show you somebody's not all of their strengths but like mm-hmm. a lot of what they might be dominant in or the things that you might need to to help them with more so i love this okay and I the want- best way to just one more thing like the best way to do that is not to bring them into your company it's actually like while you're going through the hiring process like give them a little bit of a test so like for example i do like a yeah like a project like i do like a little social media marketing project where it has all these prompts they have to put something together should not take them more than like an hour to two hours if they really want it and then they send it back to me and i'm like okay cool like now i know how i would do these projects because i wrote them and i can see from their eye and from per- their perspective i love this taking all the notes okay i want to switch gears and get into a little mental health talk so something cool. I love about you is how transparent you are and just how open you are about anxiety and navigating that struggle. And not only as an entrepreneur, but just as a human, I also have struggled with anxiety my whole life. And I would love to know, what are there any practices that you do that help keep your anxiety at bay, like on a daily basis? You know, what's funny is I've actually this like last year, I've well, the year before I did so much therapy, I did so much mindset work. And I remember at the beginning of this year, I was like, God, I'm still having so much anxiety. Um, I started realizing like when and when my anxiety would be triggered. And I started noticing like what state I was in, you know, was it work related? Was it because I was close to my cycle? Was it because it was an old trauma pattern or something that came up? And a lot of the mindset work that I've done has really been, has really been shifted in and around like my routines, but also now I've started realizing that my routines, yes, they are important, but like the conversations and the way that I'm handling myself is the most important, right? So like a lot of people talk about their morning practices. They talk about the journal, the meditation, things like that. There's also this next level element to your mental health that I think that a lot of people kind of don't really dive into because what I was finding was that those practices, yes, were they helpful? Yes. But what they were actually doing is it was actually teaching me how to have a better relationship with myself. And so there was this moment where I became really overwhelmed. And I remember like someone had recommended that I read like another book. And I was like, I'm so fucking over reading books. Like I'm so fucking over people telling me I'm not meditating enough. I'm not getting enough acupuncture. I'm I'm not journaling out the right way. And I just got to this point where I was just like, when does this stop? When does this end? And unfortunate as it sounds, it never ends. There's always gonna be things that trigger you. There's always gonna be things that come up that you have to work through. But I remember speaking with one of my girlfriends and she's a channel and she also helps a lot with just mindset work and things like that. And she was like, she's like, it's not about the practices. It's not about the quantity of the practices. It's not about how well you're doing the practices. She's, she said, basically these routines are teaching you how to speak to Whitney and how to have autonomy over Whitney. And for me, that actually leaned a lot more into having conversations like it's going to sound I don't want to sound like I'm talking to myself, but like actually talking with myself. Like when I go to feel triggered, I have options. I can react. I can panic. I can allow my body to go in this state or I can have a conversation with myself and actually say, OK, what do I need right now? Is this life or death? Do we need to step away? Do we need to keep going? Do we need to react? 
And that is what has really helped my mental health, especially in business. And again, it's like, yes, is the journaling important? Absolutely. I think journaling is a great way to reflect, to jot down your visions, to actually process what you're going through. I think meditation is absolutely incredible for downloads and also for learning your inner voice and really reconnecting with your intuition and who you are. But at the end of the day, I think that as for us that deal with anxiety, I think we have to look past a lot of these routines and actually move into how am I learning who I am and what are the tools that I need in order for me to move through and to process these different things. I love this because I sometimes feel like we'll do anything as humans to not be in silence and to not have this deep moment with ourselves even if it's a few minutes of asking ourselves a question like I feel like we'll we'll try everything first before we do that we'll do the workout class we'll do the face rolling we'll do the journaling which again all things I love yeah all those are all amazing things yeah but there's so much value in actually just asking yourself and stopping I think it's I think it's that's what it is I think it's stopping having an intimate moment with yourself which we don't like doing we don't like to be with our own thoughts sometimes i understand sometimes my thoughts are nuts okay but i love this i and i think people can do it in different ways right like sometimes i dead out that's why when you were like i don't want to sound nuts that i'm talking to myself i talk to myself all day yeah all day all day and sometimes i sometimes i'm doing it verbally sometimes i'm writing it out because that will help me too Mm -hmm. but i really love this answer because it wasn't you know, it wasn't, well, I wake up and I do this and that and the other, which if you would have said that, it would have been a great answer as well. But I love the approach and I love, it's so simple, but it's so powerful. That's what I think. It's so powerful. And I think, you know, I mean, look, I'm the first one to avoid processing. You want to know why? Because I feel like I don't have time for it. I don't have time to sit here and cry. I don't have time to feel pity for myself. I don't have time for me to feel like I need a moment to break. And as much as I wish that worked, it doesn't. I know. And it it's and it's hard. You know, I think the other thing too is like, and I don't know if you struggle with this, but I used to struggle with a lot of negative self-talk. Oh yeah. And yeah, and it's hard when you go to sit down in those quiet moments because your immediate knee-jerk reaction is to shame so heavily yourself. And for us to sit. And to walk through that process of hearing the, that those negative, like repeated behavior patterns of like, I messed up, I suck, this is all my fault. And to actually go and combat, combat that with, is that true? Mm-hmm. Did that really happen? Do I need to hurt myself so badly? That's the hard part. Yeah. And it, it sucks, but it needs to, ha- it's just like when you have a confrontation with a friend, right? Like we can avoid it friend hurts us or they say something upsetting we could like brush it under the rug but then all of a sudden we have a complete meltdown on them and they're like where the hell did this come from yeah I I think I will always credit my therapist because she taught me what compassion was like self-compassion you know Mm -hmm. I I I always had compassion for other people but that compassion never existed for myself and yeah it, it took me hitting a rock bottom moment and and I, I I had an eating disorder, so I went to see her for an eating disorder a few years ago. And I, you know, I thought it was about the food, but it's not. And it usually never is mm. with, with eating disorders. There's usually things underneath there that are, it's usually more deep and more rooted than just what you're eating, yeah. right? And 
the first thing, which sounds so silly, but it's so true. The first thing we were working on was me teaching myself how to be my own friend, like as simple Mm -hmm. as that. Cause, cause I wasn't at all. Like I would, I would treat everybody else with compassion. I would treat everybody else kindly. I would, you know, but then when it came to myself, it's like all the rules, none of them applied to me. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes somebody has to work with you through, like work you through that. I didn't do it by myself, you know? So it, it is tough, but on a happier note, I feel like something that people don't talk about a lot is I, I feel like anxiety is always, it's always spoken about in a negative way, right? It's always like, oh, I'm anxious. I have anxiety mm-hmm. of this, that, whatever. I love that we're normalizing this. I love that we're talking about it. I, I love the conversation that we have going on. However, and I've never said this on a podcast, there are parts of my anxiety. I've been thinking about this lately. There are parts of my anxiety that I actually love. Like I love, I love that I'm so anxious that I will overthink a situation, but those are the same reasons why some of my friends love me because I will think of all the little details or I will be that friend who remembers that one day Mm -hmm. you liked this sauce. And so I saw it at the airport and then I bought it for you, like whatever it is. Like there are parts of my anxiety that I actually kind of like, you know? So I want to know if there's Mm -hmm. something, what's one of yours that you're like, you know what? I actually love this about myself, even though it's rooted in anxiety yeah um it's funny that you say that because okay so I've been going through the friendship journey of with myself like that's been a huge focus of mine for the last two years really and I love that you're talking about this because no one talks about it but there's gifts in your anxiety there's these beautiful things and these beautiful characteristics I have a complete fear of failure I have such a complete fear fear that I will never be successful, that I will never make money, that I will be poor, that I will not be able to achieve anything notable. Like I have a very deep, 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 just deep fear of failing and not being, not having anything to write home about essentially. Because of that, my brain has literally become hardwired on how to create. And I've created so many things. I've invested in so many things. I have taken so many things that I should have been paid for and done just for the stand, just for the sake of doing them. And for me, I look back and it's like, you know, again, I used to shame myself. Like, why am I like this? Why can't I move past my fear mindset? And now I look at it and I give myself the option. There was a moment that came up today. Um, I'm working on a really big project. I can't announce yet. I've been working on it, honestly, since like maybe six months ago, like last year. And there was this moment of like, do, you know, do I do this for the sake of doing this or do I wait and not do this because they don't have the money to pay me to do this? And I remember thinking in this moment, this is a repeated behavior. And I usually always say yes to things just for the sake of saying yes, just because I want it and it excites me and I, and I don't have a second thought. And I remember thinking to myself like, okay, this is a repeated behavior. I'm not going to shame myself for thinking that I want to do this. And if I do do this, is there going to be the payoff that I want? Is this going to equate what I want to do? And I did it. I said yes to it. And it was this moment of like, I know that this is going to pay off, but had I shamed myself 
had I told myself that I say yes to too many things, that I'm always overextending myself and that, you know, I do too much for other people and I don't get paid, I would have completely lost this opportunity. And instead I had this like moment of like grace where it's like, I can recognize what we're doing here. I know what's happening. And I know that this is like the universe being like, what are we doing? And instead I chose to say yes, because it actually was an incredible opportunity. And if I, again, if I had shamed myself, if I had gotten anxious and just said no, if I had really hung on to these really strict, like, I think I should be doing it this way, or my therapist says I need to stop doing this, I would have lost that opportunity. And so I think for me, I, I'm I'm happy that I'm so serial. I'm happy that I love to have my hands in all these different things. And I've had so many people tell me like otherwise. And yet that's what makes me me. That's why people want and choose to work with me. A hundred percent. And I love everything about this story. What do you mean people tell you otherwise? Like they tell you you're like a people pleaser oh. or that yeah. you're doing too much or is that like the, the yeah. narrative that they tell you? Yeah, I think it is. I think, I mean, listen, there has been, there have been times where I've been doing way too much and I've overextended myself. There's been unhealthy moments, right? There's been those moments of like people truly having concern for me and there should have, there been, yeah. And there've been also things that, yeah, I, I have just gotten nuts on, um, <laughs> but, but were you nuts or were you passionate? I'm just saying. Probably both. Maybe I mean, both. You know, I think here's the thing. Like, we at the end of the day, like, this is, like, kind of why I love PR and marketing. There's always two ways to spin a story. Always. Okay? And when you're in it, you're in it. You feel like you're failing. You feel like you're fucking up. You feel like all these things are happening. You have zero control. And then you come out of it. Something amazing happens. And you're like, I can spin this story to basically be like, look what I was doing at all points in my life. So there's always two, there's always two ways to spin a story. But I think when we look at ourselves, we have to look at what's, what are we doing that is going to make, what is, what are we doing that's healthy, right? Are we bringing ourselves out where we're going to give up and we're never going to want to do anything and it's going to cause all this trauma and pain in our life? Okay, let's not go down that road. Are we doing something because again, it's passion, we're driven toward it and we want to do it. Maybe we go through it a little bit because something has to come out the other end. So I think again, like people always will have concern. There will always be opinions, but I could go. And the reason why I say there's two stories is because the way that I used to communicate about what I was doing to people, even though I was excited and even though I loved what I was doing would impact what they would say back to me. So for example, like I could, I could say in a low energy, like I'm really exhausted I'm doing this, this, and this, you know, I'm just, I'm having a bad day and people could be like, okay, well, like maybe you should stop. Like maybe this isn't right for you yeah. or I take could go a break. Up to, yeah. Or I could go up to someone and be like, yeah, I'm doing all these things. And like, this is da, 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 and like, look how great it is. And then it's like, boom. So at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what people say back to you. And like, again, there's always that thing where it's like, whatever someone's saying back to you is a reflection of what, like how you actually feel. But you also have to realize too, it's like, well, what's the healthiest for me? Am I happy? Am I meeting all these, you know, desires that I have in my life? Do I feel fulfilled? Am I in a place where I know that, you know, maybe I'm not there right now, but I'm going to be there one day. Like it's really comes down to you and the way that you view it and the way that, you know, you want to change what you want to do or whatever. 
I hope that makes sense. I know I kind of rambled there for a second. Oh my gosh. No, everything makes so much sense. And I'm so big on words. I always talk about words on my podcast because words ended up changing my life because of the words that I was saying to myself at one point versus the way that I speak to myself now. Like, Mm -hmm. so I, I think it's, again, something people might overlook just the way that you even, like the example you just gave is what I want to talk about, where you have two options of how you can communicate with somebody, right? You can say, I'm exhausted, like this day, X, Y, and Z, whatever, which is fine if you someday speak like that. It's fine. Yeah, and I hope I'm not coming off like, don't be inauthentic. Just know no, that no, you're going to... No, at all. <laughs> yeah. At all. But it's like, you, you're right. We do have a choice of, of how we choose to look at things, right? And and when you were talking about the question that you asked yourself with the project and how you were like, well, you know, I know that maybe this could this is a pattern. Maybe I've been here before. You sat there for a moment. You had so much self-awareness and you were like, okay, even though all those things are true, there's also multiple things can be true at the same time. And it's also true that this is really exciting to me. And you know what? I'm going to say yes. And I feel like that, like that's such a special moment, right? With yourself. And like, I feel like you're even going to have that moment as evidence. The next time that something like this happens, you're going to like think back and be like, wow, remember that time when I like you know, I said yes to this, even though I was a little bit unsure and it was a little bit out of my comfort zone. And I said, yes. And then look at X, Y, and Z that happened. It's like all these moments. It's so special, really. And I think something that I would talk to you for hours, but we have to start wrapping up. Unfortunately, I think something that people don't ask themselves enough is what are you most excited about right now? Or Mm -hmm. what when you are most fulfilled, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I don't want anyone to, to get me wrong when I say this. The answer to that question does not have to be work-related. Mine mm-hmm. happens to sometimes be work-related, but if that's not what somebody else's answer is, that's fine. However, I find it crazy. I don't want to say that word. I find it it's surprising to me how some people don't have an answer to that question. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that's almost exciting that they don't even know yet. Like I was mm-hmm. talking to this man who's 38 years old, which I'm not saying is old, but like, you know, he's mm-hmm. a grown ass man. And we were having this conversation and I was like, I was like, what are you doing when you're the most fulfilled? Mm-hmm. And he has a great job, great life, whatever. And he was like, he couldn't think of an answer. And he was mm-hmm. like, damn, I really like don't know. But he's like, you see him, he's like happy, healthy, like has a great, you know, like yeah. great, great life. And so I was like, I was like, that's fine. That's so exciting that you like don't know yet. You could look at it that way as well, right? It's not mm-hmm. a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, let's break it down. So what day of the week are you typically like the happiest to see? And he was like, Friday, 5 p.m. when I'm done working. And I'm like, that's so, <laughs> it's, it's so crazy though, because if you ask me that question, Monday's my favorite day of the week, because I can't fucking wait to like have a new week and work all week. So it's just crazy, right? It's just like, yeah. it's just different. But I feel like that's something that I try to ask myself all the time, because mm-hmm. if I, I always say this, but like if I'm not having fun, I don't want to do it mm-hmm. in anything I'm doing. So, yeah, I don't know how, how where I was going with this, but I guess I guess I'll ask you to wrap this up. When and I feel like I know what you're going to say, but maybe I don't. When are you the most fulfilled? What are you doing when you feel like pure utter fulfillment? Oh, I feel like I feel like I have so many things. Number 1 is like when I feel free. So like I'm very big on like I love to travel. I love the ability of feeling like I have you know, source to be able to do whatever I want to do in my life. The second is when I feel 
when I see something come together, I'm a huge visionary and I'm love, like I said, I'm hardwired to build and create. So when I'm actually like, for example, like I still work on every single one of our events firsthand. I'm usually always the on-site coordinator and it's hilarious because I should probably not be doing that with my time, but I choose to anyway. I love it. When I see an event. Yeah. When I see a product, a campaign, an event, it's like this high for me when it like comes to life. And then lastly, like when I see people win and knowing that like I've been some sort of a part of it. And I think that for me, there's this art and there's this game to marketing and there's this art to living and there's kind of this game of living, right? It's like, when's the next like hit of dopamine coming? Like when's the next challenge coming? And so when I get to be a part of someone else's success and like I get to kind of carry that celebration with them, it's beautiful. My gosh, I love that. That's so, that was a perfect answer. I love everything about that. (laughs) I knew I was going to love this episode. Like I knew we were going to have such a good conversation, but this was so special. Thank you so much for spending an hour with me. Where can people find you if they want to work with you, if they want to just get more Whitney tell us everything oh my god I love you so much and I'm so excited I had the opportunity to come on here and you're just such a beautiful soul um you guys can follow my chaos my personal journey that's very very Whitney (laughs) um just at Whitney Eckes both on Instagram and TikTok you guys can follow the agency at Eckes Marketing and Eckes spelled E-C-K-I-S And then you can follow our newest baby, Get Super, just at G-E-T-S-U-P-R. Amazing. Everything will be linked. And yeah, thank you so much. I loved every minute of this conversation, truly. I can't wait to get this live. I'm so excited. Me either, love. It was great talking with you.